0: M and K Talk YA now presents Siege and Storm of the Grisha trilogy by Lee Bardugo. Welcome back to M&K Talk YA. This is Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford.
1: And welcome to our Young Adult Fiction Podcast.
0: And this week we read the second book in the, what's the series called, Shadow and Bone? The Grisha Trilogy? Something like that? I've heard both. Yeah. Okay. And we read up to chapter 13 in Siege and Storm. So if you haven't read to chapter 13, we may spoil.
1: Yes. So stop, go back, read a little bit more, and then come join us again. You know what I was thinking actually? This is, I was looking back through our podcast when I was editing this week, and this is our 25th podcast anniversary.
0: It is? Happy 25th episode. I know. It's our 25th episode. 25th episode anniversary. Uh, I want to be like our quarter century, but not century, quarter century. It is century.
1: Quarter century well,
0: club? Is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know. It is now. I'm making t-shirts. Remember, I, I've been making t-shirts. <laughs> I had all these t-shirts. 25 episodes later, we still have zero t-shirts. Speaking of, though, how funny is it that, um, what's his name? Strum- Storm, Hale? Storm, Storm. How do you say his Stormund? Name? Yeah, Stormund. Uh-huh. Uh huh. His followers like kind of act like wolves and howl and yep.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I thought I thought that too because they reminds me of the Howlers from Red Rising. I
0: thought about that too. And he reminds me of Captain Thorn a little bit, so I kind of have a crush on him.
1: But uh, but like I, I I don't get his name though. Stormund. It's just so it's kind of a lame name thing? Like, the Dread Pirate Stur-
0: Sturmund? I don't know, because they were saying it like stood for Wolf of the Waves, which is kind of cool. That's a cool name. Or the Stormhound, which is kind of cool. So maybe it's just like... Maybe we're pronouncing it some wrong. Some Russian thing we don't get. Oh,
1: that's a, that's a possibility for
0: sure. <laughs> I mean, as much as we get Russian after reading a book and a half that has a few words of Russian in it.
1: I do like that his nickname Sobachka is um, puppy, but not for a cute reason. Yeah.
0: Wait, no, the puppy was for a cute reason, right? She no. She just thought that that was... Why she thought that that was the influence for Stormhound or whatever, (laughs) but really that name came from the not so great reason.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Because they they called him because he was like the younger prince, so they were like, Oh, puppy, that's cute, but then he was like, No, I fed my enemies' fingers to their dogs. Did you know he was going to
0: be the prince?
1: No, I had no idea, and you know why? Because I thought the entire time. You know how they were fighting the um, or tracking the sea whip. Uh huh. Um, they told a story in the book that the sea whip was a cursed prince in the legends, and he was like forced to take the form of a sea serpent. And so I thought the Sea Whip was going to be the prince and he was cursed and that's why he was missing. So I thought like when they killed it, he was going to become the prince. So I did not see the Sturman's Nikolai thing at all.
0: Yeah, I had, I like knew there was something up with him, but I did not tie him to the prince because I really thought the princes were going to be like kind of nobodies.
1: Well, you kind of called it too, because remember you were hypothesizing, you were like, oh, I kind of hope that they're like fighting a battle and they don't know it's the prince, but then it is the prince. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what happened. At first I was like, (laughs) did you read ahead? (laughs) And didn't tell me because it was so close to your prediction.
0: I feel like I keep imagining things completely different than they're happening but the words I used to describe my predictions are relatively accurate so <laughs> I don't know what that means but
1: <laughs> well then like too like the, we were talking about disguising yourself too and that was just kind of funny that he had a tailor the whole time and he was like disguising his appearance so no one could you know know that he was actually the prince so yeah a lot of it's coming together <laughs>
0: yep yeah. I think it's, yeah, I really like him as a character, though. I mean, I don't know if I trust him from the Alina and Maul situation or not, but I like him. I think he's really interesting. Yeah,
1: and you know what, that's funny, because you also said last week, you were like, I don't know the younger prince, but I feel like he's going to be my favorite character. he is kind of my favorite character, too, because he's so funny. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've got a crush on him out of all the characters right now. So. I don't blame you.
1: I, I, but I also don't trust him either because I feel like he really, really is using Alina to try and present this um, idea of the Sun Summoner and the Prince returning and they're united and he wants her to be his queen. And like I get why he wants to do it and why it might be a good idea, but he just is not considering her feelings like uh, at all. And that kind of bothers me. I know, he's not being
0: respectful about that.
1: Oh my gosh. But no. what I do...
0: It reminds me of... You know in Pirates of the Caribbean where Jack Sparrow's like, you can trust a, a dishonorable person to be dishonorable. It's the honest people... You can, or something... Yeah. Or a dishonest person to be... Like, that's kind of what he reminds me of. It's like, I trust him because I know... like, I Because I don't trust him, but we all know I don't trust... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like he's lying. I just... Like, he's very openly not trustworthy at this. point. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and he, like, completely admits to
0: it. <laughs> yeah. And I also like uh, his... To Grisha sidekicks. uh, Oh, Tolia. And Tamar. Tamar, Mm -hmm. I wrote down names this time so that I wouldn't just be like, the one, the tall giant guy who has magic powers. The mean girl. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote apparat down like five times because I knew I wouldn't forget (laughs) again.
1: Well, I had to write out pronunciations beside all the Russian names. So that's why I said um, Sobachka very well because I practiced it and wrote it down phonetically. That's
0: smart. Yeah, sometimes when I'm reading words that I can't pronounce, I just like pick a, a pron- pronunciation in my head. So James and I, we went on a road trip this weekend and we were reading Dune out loud to each other oh. and I couldn't pronounce half of the like sci-fi <laughs> names or anything. So I would just be like, I'm going to call this guy John. It starts with a J, like there's no other similar similarities, but every time I see this, I'm just going to say John, just so you know. They're <laughs> like, whatever. That's
1: so <laughs> smart. You know what I did that with in this book? So this, this C-whip, the sea whip, the sea whip. he um his name is like Rusali or something and I could not for the life of me read that word and and you know understand it at all so I just started calling him Russell. <laughs> I like it. so in my mind I was like, oh, it's Russell the sea whip. <laughs> I'm really interested to see the firebird cuz it's got to be real, right? Uh, of of course it's real. It has yeah. to be. I mean, it's so ridiculous that like they see this. They don't believe the stag exists, and then they see it. And then they are talking about the sea whip, and they don't believe that the sea whip exists until they find it. And then they bring up the firebird, and there's like, oh, well, that goes too far.
0: I also think it's so in- like Mal's crazy stalking ability—not stalking. What's it called? Tracking. That's the, that's the proper <laughs> word. <laughs> is. Like, I mean, I know he's not Grisha, but it does seem like he has, like, an inhuman ability or, you know, beyond human ability to track. To find it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a good point because when they were tracking the Sea Whip, too, I was just like, there's no way that you found this sea serpent in the middle of the ocean in less than seven days. Like, there, it's it's so unbelievable. And at first I got kind of frustrated because I was like, yeah, I know they had to find it, but it was too easy. But that you, the fact that you brought up what he might have, and there might be a reason for it. Like he may, maybe he's Grisha. Maybe he has a power we don't know about. That kind of makes me feel better.
0: Well, yeah. And I, I like want him to have something so that he can start relating to Alina more. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good point. But I also, it just fits into this whole destiny idea a little bit too. When you think about like, you know, they have these three amplifier potential creature things that can create amplifiers that actually fit together even though every other Grisha can only have one. Mm -hmm. And I also want to know what used to happen to Grisha who tried to have two? Like how did they come up with that rule in the first place?
1: That's a really good question. Like do you think that's why I thought maybe that's why the Shadowfold was created. Like maybe we don't know something about the Darkling where like he had an amplifier. I know he is an amplifier but they never really explain why you can only have one. It's just I think it's just meant to be a limit on their power.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm also curious what happened to his power. Oh, my gosh. was some freaky stuff going on, yeah. and I don't know how it happened. Was it from being in the Shadowfold, or was it – is he, like, dabbling in some dark magic thing or something? I think
1: I, – I don't know, but I think it may have something to do with the – his control over the second amplifier, or I guess the first amplifier, the Stag's power. And maybe her using that power against him. Because, so he has this new power, but um, you can tell it's, like, taking a toll on him. Like, it's draining him. So the idea, I guess, is that, like, he does have this new power, but it's coming at a cost. So there's something not right about it.
0: Okay, also, I'm still kind of confused by why he needs her.
1: The Darkling? Well, I think he, he needs her to get through... The shadow like
0: just to crop just to cross it.
1: Well, I don't know now because didn't he say that the Volker didn't kill him because he created them and like they don't feed on their own kind?
0: Yeah, that's like I'm starting to feel like I don't really get what she does for him if he if he doesn't want to get rid of the shadow
1: Maybe he just doesn't like the idea of not being able to control something so powerful. Like maybe it isn't even so much about the shadow it's just he wants her.
0: Yeah, or maybe just she's still a threat to his power. So if he, yeah,
1: can... especially now that she's taking control of the second army, like the Grisha army. Yeah. So now that's, like, a direct threat to him. That's true. Well, now we have, like, a love quadrangle, essentially, between Alina and Mal and Nikolai and the Darkling. Although the Darkling is, like, rapidly falling off of that.
0: And I don't even feel like Nikolai and her are, like, a real thing, at least not right now. Like, he wants... I think they, like, like each other, but not, like, crushing like each other. No. And I think that the only reason he's talking about stuff is for, like, appearances and political gain. I don't think he, like, actually wants to end up with her, at least not right now.
1: I don't know. I think he's kind of, like, having a lot of fun with it. And, like, yes, for now, he, he, he just likes the idea of her being a queen, but, like, I think there's something more, because remember when she tells him that he's being creepy... Because
0: he, he, like, takes it really personally. Yeah, Yeah. he got
1: really upset because you can tell he, like, actually wants her to think highly of him.
0: Yeah, but I couldn't tell how much of that was just in general he wants people to think highly of him because they were talking already about how he, like, basically morphs into whatever he needs to be. I think he's just very – I think he's a lot more insecure than he comes across.
1: Right, but he can't let anyone see that because his whole, um, like, success as a privateer and a pirate and whatever kind of depends on always having the upper hand. yeah. I just like him so much. He brings, like,
0: such a nice humor to it. Yeah. Like I said, he really reminds me of Thorne, partially for, like, the piracy piece, but then also, like, his (laughs) sense of humor in the face of some of these, like, kind of (laughs) terrible things. And
1: his, like, one-liners are so good. Yeah. And,
0: like, his ability to charm.
1: Yeah. Alina has some good one-liners, too. I, like, laughed out loud. There was one part they were on the boat, and she was considering, like, pushing the darkling overboard, and she was like, sure, he's a hundred years old, but can he swim? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. And it's hard. I think, like, writing humor into stories is really hard. Especially,
0: like, a serious story.
1: Yeah, and, and I think sh- I think Lee Bardugo did it. Did it really well by having these
0: few characters who come in and are just just say really great stuff. (laughs) But then that's also why things like oh yeah, I had to cut off someone's fingers and feed them to my dog, like, are so jarring because he seems like kind of a free, fun-loving kind of guy. A little bit. He also is such an engineer. I love his engineering mind. How he's kind of trying to. to fix problems and put things together and like you know fix things
1: and like the hummingbird that he built to (laughs) go into the shadow fold and i like too that even though he is like um you know it has to be very tough on the outside after he he told her about how he you know cut that guy's fingers off he then he said that he like went back home and threw up and like cried himself to sleep so like
0: yeah Yeah. he has this very tough exterior but you're right he's not like the darkling who seems very comfortable with his evilness
1: (laughs) that's a very yeah that's exactly what it is it still takes a toll on him but i like when they when he was using that hummingbird to go um hunt the vulcra that was like kind of an interesting tactic because before they were always just trying to kind of keep them at bay and just get through the fold without disturbing them and now he's like using alina to draw them to the ship to kill them like where does that end
0: yeah except she was having some weird side effect of something that luckily hasn't resurfaced, but what was that? Well
1: it reminded me of Adelina when she keeps seeing these visions because now like the Darkling's coming to visit her.
0: And I kinda wish you would tell Mall. I know, oh my gosh.
1: Just you need to you need to confide in people, especially the people who are closest to you. I don't know why she's not telling him that.
0: Have we learned nothing from all these other series about the danger <laughs> of not trusting your friends?
1: We have all this insight and they have none. It's not really fair. <laughs>
0: I what, I am kind of curious to see how, if and when Nikolai actually is able to take power, like whether his brother lets him, and when the king actually dies or passes on succession, given his being the second brother and possibly being a bastard. Yeah,
1: I don't know, because it seems like his brother, his brother just seems like a jerk, really. Like he keeps, I don't know, I just don't know if he wants the throne, it seems like he wants the throne just because he is entitled to it, not because he actually wants to do good with it. Whereas, like, I think Nikolai actually wants to help save the country.
0: Yeah, but I also think it might be not as easy as he thinks to take it from him. Like, maybe if he he could lay it out and the guy was really logical and he'd be like, you have to do all this work and there's all these problems and people depend on you, he'd be like, no thanks. But in reality, I think he's going to be like, no, I'm supposed to be king and I want, like, everything that the title brings me without thinking about the other stuff. So I'm just kind of curious. Or if he has loyal followers, or if it just... I don't know. I'm just kind of curious to see how that plays out.
1: Me too. And part of me is wondering, like, exactly how much will he want to do the work behind it? Because we know that, like, Nikolai actually served in the infantry. Like, he has had all of these experiences, whereas his brother has kind of lived a bit of a cushy life. And, yeah, I get part of that is, like, he's the heir, so you need to be protect him so you can't go sending him, like... First in the battle, but at the same time, I just don't know if he has what it takes.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't think he'd be a good ruler. It is interesting, though. Do you think Nikolai like went to all of these different schools and places to learn and into the army because he like it was a long-term strategy to become king and like make those connections and have those experiences, or do you think he was just interested in all those things and now he's interested in being king?
1: Um. I think he was always interested in being king, honestly. I think that he probably did it to get away from his brother. Like, when you see them together, how cold they are, and how kind of, like, domineering his brother is, I feel like part of him probably just wanted to get away and, like, make his own name and do his own thing, because he would always be overshadowed as the younger brother.
0: Yeah. I, I could see that. And that's even more of this, like, he, I think he, even though he's not Grisha, can relate to some of... Alina's feelings of being an outcast and having all this responsibility, and some of the other stuff that she's experiencing.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, I think they definitely can understand each other in that regard. Whereas, like, I don't know, when you see, I I still always think about her and the Darkling, how much they have in common too.
0: Like so much, yeah, so much, and more and more as she becomes kind of like him.
1: I know. And especially when he was saying, like, no one will understand your power who's not Grisha. And even if they do come to understand your power, they're really just going to fear it. And you can already see her, like, drifting away a little bit from Mal when she got that second amplifier. And I'm just worried that it's just going to get worse.
0: Yep. And I wonder how long he's going to stick with her. Like, this is already starting to have a toll on their relationship a little bit. But they're mostly good. But I'm kind of curious to see when it he gives her, like, some kind of ultimatum and what she decides to do.
1: Especially if the Darkling keeps, like, visiting
0: her in these weird visions. Yeah, I'm curious what sparks them, and if it's him, like, sending something to her, or if it's her imagining it, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, how... Yeah, I, I want to hear more about that. Even though I don't want it to keep happening, but... I know. Yeah. So speaking of Maul, though, and all the things he sacrificed, yes. um, you know how he deserted the army and still went back and was could possibly be put to death?
1: Right, yeah. Oh, I was nervous for him.
0: Yeah, I was really nervous. And I actually looked up different ways that people, like, the different things between desertion versus going AWOL versus, oh. like, other things that can happen. That was one of the things I did for research this time.
1: It's pretty severe, right? Like, the penalty for desertion. Yeah. yeah, well,
0: it depends a lot on, like, what's going on. Minute, go? Okay, so there's kind of, like, three main categories. So there's absence without leave, which is called AWOL. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially you fail to go where you were told to go, or you leave that place before you're supposed to, or you're just not where you're supposed to be for whatever reason. So if you okay. were ordered to, like, guard a weapons cache... You'd be charged with that if you left two hours before your shift was over or something like that. Okay. Um, and if you've been, okay, for, uh, kind of depends on how long you're, you've gone AWOL and what you can, what will happen to you. So, like, if you're gone less than three days, the maximum penalty of con- is confinement for one month and forfeiture of two thirds pay for one month. Oh. And then after 30 days or more, you face dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of all pain allowances, and a one year confinement. But then desertion is similar to AWOL, but you leave your assigned post, like, with no intention of returning. And if you've been AWOL for 30 days, you automatically are considered to have deserted your post. But it's also if you, like, resign, but they don't accept your resignation, then you're considered a deserter. Okay. Um, And then kind of the third, like, related offense is called missing movement, and that's n- neglectfully or intentionally missing one shipped, aircraft, or unit. Um, so if you, like, fail to board your aircraft carrier before it leaves port, um, you could face some kind of discharge or for- forfe- forfeiture of pay or confinement. But wait, I was trying to see. I had something. So the, so these, like, it can vary a lot. So if you're 15 minutes late for formation, technically you could be in trouble. What? But, but you're not going to likely Not be
1: gonna happen
0: yeah you you might like get reprimanded but like so there's different like levels of severity so but usually you won't receive the maximum punishment unless you do something ridiculous like go on a crime spree or if it's happening during war so it's like a much bigger deal if it's during war
1: okay gotcha this is reminding me so much of the um beau case of the what the beau Daw case oh yeah um okay anyway continue
0: Yeah, so desertion, if it's during times of war, then punishment is death or life in prison. Wow. Depending on a court, like how a court-martial court goes. But if it's not during war, then the, like, if you desert with the intent to avoid hazardous duty or to shirk important services, then it would be dishonorable discharge, forfeiture of all pay, and allowances reduction to the lowest enlisted grade, and confinement for five years. But if it's during a time of official war, then, like, the the punishment jumps. Jesus. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. Because so I, I was like, yeah, I mean, he left, but it was for a good reason. Like, what are they really going to do? But then I was like, what would they, really, like, in real life, what would they do? And it is kind of interesting to think about military rule and how so much of it is following orders and you're really not supposed to, you know, question it or do what you think is right, even if you're right, because that, like, undermines the whole military structure.
1: Yes, yes. And that, like the hierarchy of command, yeah. Well, and, and you see him, like, even when he's dishonorably um, discharged. At first, I read that and I was like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. But I guess that actually is really serious.
0: And again, you think about that's like his identity. Like, that's where he, yeah. although she did say, what, what did she say about him? He like grows wherever he's planted or something. She used some analogy. Mm-hmm. Like,. He just thrives in every situation. And that is kind of true. I'm sort of like, I feel bad for you, Maul, but you're going to be fine. It would be one thing if that was, like, the one place where he thrived.
1: That's true. But it is all he's really ever known. And, like, he is such a skilled tracker. Like, I think that's something he genuinely enjoys doing. And he did that as his role in the army. So, without that, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know what else to do.
0: But if he's head of the personal guard of the second highest army commander in the country, like... Is that really a demotion? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. Maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe I just it would don't be bad get it. <laughs> if
1: he was like the head of the personal guard and she was like married to Nikolai. That
0: would be terrible. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Or at least, like, <laughs> if, if she marries Nikolai, he's not going to stay the head of her personal guard. No, no. So no, I'm no. not saying that the one can't happen. I'm just saying he's not going to stick around and watch that and whatnot. I don't think.
1: Well, I'm still banking on the fact that they're going to stay together. No matter what. That's my prediction.
0: I still think they are too, but I think it's going to get even harder than it already is. And I'm very curious for the apparatus to come back into the picture because I want to know what he is up to right now. I feel like he has a bigger plan than the Darkling did, even.
1: Oh, for sure. Because he's the one who gave her that Book of Saints, right? Where she sees St. Elia yeah. Morozova. And that's where she sees that there are three amplifiers. And so I'm like, okay, he knew that there was a picture of the saint there shown with the three amplifiers and he knew that she was going to see it. But what is his game plan? Like what is his end game? I and and he's like yeah. spreading rumors that she was resurrected from the shadow and is now a saint. And he started this Cult of the Sun summoner.
0: And he was saying all that stuff to her before, too, about faith and being a saint and what it means and people having hope and all this stuff. So, like, I can't tell if he's good or bad or, like, I don't, I just, I don't get him yet. And I'm so curious to see when he comes back and what else. Because he has so
1: much influence, too. Like, he's already having, I mean, under his rumors, peasants are now selling her bones as relics. Like, it's gone that far. Oh, I,
0: I did some research about that, oh, too. Oh, good. I was
1: hoping you would. I didn't, I didn't. but I'm, all right, I, I'm so, curious, no. So,
0: first of all, well, so at first I started with, like, how does someone become a saint? Because there's just a lot of talk about being a saint and stuff, mm-hmm. and so I was looking specifically at Catholicism and that whole um, process is known as canonization. Yeah. And usually you have to wait five years at least after your death before they'll start the process, but sometimes the Pope will let it happen sooner. So for like Mother Teresa, they started that process two years after her death. Okay, But there's like a bunch of different steps and like layers that happen. So the first thing is a local bishop like starts to investigate your life and... Um, anything you've written, and kind of uncovering different information and whatnot, and they'll send this to the Vatican. Okay. And then a panel at the Vatican of theologians and cardinals, known as the Congregation for Cause of Saints, will evaluate everything about the candidate's life. And if the panel says it's okay, or like they approve you, the Pope proclaims that the candidate is venerable, which means the person is a role model of Catholic virtues. Okay. So that's kind of like the first step, you're venerated. And then the next step is beatification, which means, which allows a person to be honored by a particular group or region. So in order to do that, you have to have had posthumous miracles.
1: Right, like three of them, right? Or maybe, maybe that's wrong. I
0: think to be beatified, you just need one. Okay. Or if you're a martyr. So if you die for religious causes, gotcha. you don't need to have evidence of a miracle to be beatified. That makes sense. Or whatever it's called. And so, when for Mother Teresa, she was Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta when she was in 2003 when that stuff happened. And then, in in order to be a saint, you have to have proof of a second miracle, oh. and then you can be canonized. But I think like, it, but those are like miracles after you died. So in Mother Teresa's case, let's see what they were. One of her miracles was a French woman in the United States who broke several ribs in a car accident. Mm. She was wearing a Mother Teresa medallion and her wounds were healed. And another, I'm not even sure, this isn't like about Mother Teresa, so this I'm not entirely sure that this is what we would count as her two miracles, but this is what this article is saying. And another one was there were dreams, a Palestinian girl was having dreams that Mother Teresa visited her and told her her cancer was cured and it was true.
1: Huh.
0: okay. Um, And then some saints obviously become patron saints and they're kind of, associated as protectors or guardians over, like, a particular occupation or a type of illness or a region or a cause or whatever. And I guess I was also reading something that, like, the Pope, and I don't know if he's done this yet. I forget when this article was published, but he was considering naming a saint of Internet users and computer programmers. No. Which saint? And one of the people who was considered was Saint Isidore of Seville, who is credited with writing the world's first encyclopedia. Oh but there's a bunch God. of different patron saints that you can read about.
1: And and there are miracles for each one?
0: So if you're an official, like, full, approved by the Pope, reached this level of saint, then, yes, you would have had verified miracles and a ton of other research into your life, and it takes, like, years and years. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's also kind of these different levels, and there's also this idea of, like, saint with a lowercase S and saint with an uppercase S, which I don't know a ton about the difference except there's that one holier? Yeah, I mean like if to be an uppercase S saint, you have to go through this whole process. But I think there's also this idea that like holy people of the faith who've gone before us are like lowercase S saints or something. But so I have a relic. A relic of a saint? Yep. Of Saint Teresa of Calcutta. So Mother Teresa. Um, so she was Officially became a saint in September of last year, 2016, and they were doing this thing at a church near me where they had like an exhibit of hers for like a week or something. And it had, so relics essentially are physical remains of saints or personal effects um, that are preserved for purposes of veneration or honoring the saint as a holy person and it's supposed to be a tangible memorial. And there's different levels of relics. So a first class relic is a part of the saint's body.
1: Like blood or bones or something like that.
0: Yeah. And usually it's like put into a special like thing. And it's it's not held by individuals. It's held by a church or something like right, that. Right, right. There are lots of those in Italy. Um, so the first, yeah, the first class relic that I saw of her was like a vial of her blood. And then a second class relic is a piece of clothing or something else that was special and used by the saint directly. And then a third class relic, which is what I have, is an object that has touched the first class relic. So I have like a prayer card. That she touched. And it has St. Teresa and I touched it (laughs) like it got touched to the blood vial. So now it's a third-class relic. Oh, you know what? So my, um, that's my
1: story. My grandma had a third-class relic. She had, um, like, w- holy water that had been blessed by, I forget, some saint or a pope or something like that. And I remember my cousin's hamster died. <laughs> and she was really, really upset and so they buried it in the backyard and my grandma was like, you know what, I'll just bring over some holy water and we'll just put a few drops on his grave, like to make her feel better. And she gave it to my uncle and my uncle had no idea what to do with it. And so he just took this vial of holy water and just dumped the entire thing on the hamster's grave. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my goodness. She was so angry because she was like, I said a few drops of the holy water and he
0: just like poured the whole vial on there. <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. Though. Yeah, she's not pleased. That's a very holy <laughs> hamster sight for a hamster now. <laughs> he definitely went <laughs> to heaven, for sure. Yeah, that's really cool though. Yeah. So, but it is weird to think about being called a saint while you're still alive. Although, I guess I mean, in some like I feel like I remember before Mother Teresa died, people kind of talking about how she would be a saint and stuff. I wonder if she ever felt that feeling at all.
1: Of it being a little strange. But she did so many good deeds, you know. I mean, it's a little different for Alina, especially since she was, like, thrust into this so quickly. Where, like, she spent her life as an orphan and then serving this very humble job in the army. And then all of a sudden people are worshipping her and, like, selling her bones. It's just a very abrupt...
0: Turn around <laughs> yeah and she's still getting used to people like greeting her caravan and jo- you know joining in and asking her to kiss babies and then Nikolai mm-hmm. is making it worse with all of his dramatics and
1: yeah yeah I mean
0: it's a weird situation and especially because she doesn't feel like special or a saint or anything it was funny when she was talking to, I think she was talking to uh Tamar or whatever her name is and was Basically, like, I'm not trying to save the world. And she's like, okay, you're trying to, like, defeat the Darkling, like...
1: (laughs) Kill all the vulcra. Get rid of the
0: Shadowfold, like, listed, like, five, like, huge things. Yeah. Um, Some people would call that saving the world, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, that sounds uh, suspiciously like trying to save the world. What did you research this week? Did you... I did?
1: Okay. Dig in anything? Yes. So I did some research on the Sea Whip. Okay. I thought you might. Because I was really interested in him and I was kind of sad that they killed it so quickly because I thought there would be more of a hunt for this elusive kind of mythological creature and then of course they found it in seven days. But, um, so I was doing some research about sea serpents and sightings of sea serpents in the actually pretty recent, his recent past. So, um, okay, so a sea serpent is a cryptid, so it's an, it's an animal whose existence is, like, not proved. Okay. And that, it means hidden animal, essentially. And there have been a lot of sightings of, uh, sea serpents or, you know, things that people might consider a sea serpent throughout the years, but the most the most recent one was in 1983 and 1985 off the coast of San Francisco. So in 1983, there were five members of a construction crew who saw what they said was a 100-foot-long sea serpent. Oh, my goodness. And they
0: yeah, – could you
1: imagine? Oh, my God. I get scared when I see, like, fish that are bigger than six inches.
0: Things that, like – Slither freaked me out. Well,
1: that's the thing. So they said that it was slithering, but you know how, like, if you ever see a snake um, in the water, it goes from side to side horizontally? They said that this one was going up and down vertically. Interesting. And it was swimming, like... 50 miles per hour. Oh my goodness. And they said it was like 20 feet in circumference with a mouth like an alligator. Crazy. And then the second sighting was in... wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. The second sighting was in 1985. There were two brothers who said they spotted a 60-foot-long serpent also in San Francisco Bay and it crashed into a ledge, I guess. And they said that... Seals were fleeing from it, and then it turned over in the water like a corkscrew, and they said it had an underbelly like an alligator, so it was, like, white and leathery looking. Cool. But, like, in the past, people have said that their mouths look big enough to swallow a man on horseback.
0: Oh, my goodness. That would be terrifying. I actually – I think I'm, like, more – scared but also intrigued by the ocean than i am of space sometimes because oh 100 like who knows what's going on down there nobody except the animals
1: but they said that the um closest thing to you know what they probably saw was an oarfish and i looked up an oarfish and it actually really does look like a sea serpent it's i guess they can get up to about 56 feet and they're known to be seen off the coast of california
0: For some reason, I thought you were going to say an orphan. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's like, oh, good one. (laughs) So don't go to San Francisco and get in the water? Is that what we're
1: learning? Yeah, don't swim. Just don't. Just stay on the (laughs) land. Yeah, go to a pool. That's fine. And so then I was also researching, so the name, not Russell the Sea Whip, but his actual name, Russelai. I guess that is a holiday in Russia. And so I looked that up, and it's called The Water Nymph Holiday. Ooh, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because... So in the book, in the actual book, Seize and Storm, we have some really good story building where they have um, this the sea whip, they said was it a, um, an enchanted prince, and he comes onto the land, and he tries to steal um, maidens to be his wife, and he takes them out far to sea until it's too far out for them to cry for help, and then he drowns them, essentially. And so uh, Salai hope I'm pronouncing that right. This pagan holiday, it's a water nymph holiday and the name means red-haired girl or uh, mermaid. And um, it's it's based off of the legend of a Rusalka, who is a who is a water nymph and they believed that they believe that during uh, this week in June they come onto land and they drag swimmers down to the bottom of the sea. And so in some legends the Rusalka is a young woman who either committed suicide by drowning or um, was somehow drowned by another person, and usually it's related to, um, something to do with love, so either an unhappy marriage or being forced to marry someone you don't want to marry, and, um, these young women who drown are then cursed to live out their designated time as a Rusalka, this water nymph, and so I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting, but, um, they say that the Rusalka, she... It sounds Little Mermaid-ish
0: a little I bit. I know, I know,
1: um... But she they're known to, like, come up on land and take men down and drown them in the sea. So, during this week in Russia, Rusalka Week, um, swimming is forbidden.
0: <laughs> I wonder where these things start from.
1: Well, I think they're just legends that get handed down and then they become, um, you know, popularized in um, in, like, pop culture. So, I mean... There's a, there's a lot of ballets and operas based off of these kind of stories. Um, Dvorak wrote an opera called Rusalka, actually. And in the opera, there's a prince who is hunting a white deer, which I was reading about that, and I was like, ooh, that's a kind of a tie-in. Um, and, like, the firebird is a ballet. So I think it's just stories that get handed down and then get um, transformed into some kind of uh, ballet
0: or opera or... Um, movie. Yeah, it's just cool, like, what, um, because I'm sure people, like, made up stories and told their kids stuff all the time, but, like, what became so widespread that, like, generations of, you know, it's just kind of cool to think about that. But, okay, I have a question for you, because I am getting confused. Okay. So, is, so, St. Ilya, or whatever, is a saint who passed away who has these three creatures around. Yeah. In the picture. Yeah. And then, Is that the same thing as Morozova, or is Morozova different?
1: No, 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 it's the same. It's St. Ilya Morozova.
0: That's the same, Okay. And do we know anything else about the saint and the story associated? (laughs) Nope.
1: (laughs) I meant to look that up, too, but...
0: Okay. I was just making... No, I was just curious because at first... Because the stag was called Morozova stag, right? Right. So at first I thought that was just, like, the name of the stag. And then I was like... And then I didn't even realize that the saint was also Morozova, and then all of a sudden I was like, wait, are these the saints? And then I just was getting all kinds of confused.
1: I think, yeah, I think, I I think the, it's Saint Ilya Morozova, but I don't know why the stag was named after him and the sea whip and the firebird
0: are not. I, yeah. Good question. Yeah. That was also interesting, because they were saying maybe that saint was a Grisha. And like, yeah, the first Grisha. Mm-hmm. That seemed like a crazy thing to say, but. Maybe we should, I, I should look that up
1: and see if that's if that's an actual person. I don't know. I mean, she the author may have made it up.
0: I mean, if you think about things like in the idea of a saint has to perform a miracle, which I'm sure it's a little bit different in this world, but Grisha's basically, if you don't understand Grisha's small science or whatever, that would seem like miracles.
1: Yeah, I would think so. Or um well, it's kind of funny too that there is groups of people who worship them and then there are groups of people who burn them. Yeah. Right, because like we have all these rogue Grisha who work for Sturman's slash Nikolai, and they were um, like hidden by their parents so that they would be protected, and no one would know they're Grisha. And so many people, you know, do experiments on them or sell them as slaves, or they didn't want them to have to work for the Darkling.
0: Yeah, especially in different countries, it still sounds yeah. like.
1: I wonder if we'll get more of that if
0: we will go to because we were
1: briefly in a different country. I forget which one in the beginning. And I'm kind of interested to see people who, instead of worshipping Grisha, are um, afraid of them.
0: Yeah, although it does seem like after the Darkling turned, there is a lot of uh, unrest or distrust between people in Grisha and Ravka. The place they went was called Zim. Oh. I probably didn't pronounce that right. Novizim. <laughs> Did you look it up on your map? Yep, I just looked at my map. I'll send a picture of it later. There's a lot of other places. So Shuhan is the one south of Ravka, which is where the twins are from. Right. And that's one of the places where they do experiments, right?
1: Yes. Yes, they capture them.
0: And then Fjorda Fjorda (laughs) is north of Ravka. And that's where they found the stag. And that's where they, I think, are just scared of them and kill them. Okay. And then Novi Zim is across the true sea. And apparently they're just kind of a non-issue but not really loved and honored like they were in Ravka before all this stuff went down.
1: Okay, so maybe we'll get to travel around to a little bit more lands.
0: Yeah, and I hope, I hope we travel in some cool contraptions with Nikolai.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see what he builds next. I'm just really, I hope the Darkling doesn't disappear. Like, I hope he keeps coming back, because I, as much as I dislike him, I still kind of, I'm still really fascinated by him, I gotta say. He has
0: to come back. And I think the more her powers get weird or things happen, the e- even more they're going to have in common.
1: I know. And it's so sad how like she sees him that, for that moment on the ship um, and she sees like his loneliness reflected back at her because he, he really is all by himself in this power that he has aside from her. And she's the only one who could possibly understand him and she wants nothing to do with him.
0: Yeah. I kind of, I kind of hope he gets redeemed by the end of the series. Like, me too. I don't want him to end up with her or anything, but I hope like he does something or whatever, and is kind of won over and uses his power for good, or at least like I don't know, just somehow he's not, he doesn't just like stay bad and get killed.
1: Well, that was his mom's <laughs> wish for her too, for him too, right? That he wouldn't be past the redemption. Yeah, but he reminded me. Yeah. Do you remember when we went to that YA panel
0: in Chicago a while back? Yeah. It was like um on author panel. Yep. I kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it, but yes, I do remember.
1: Well, I was thinking about it because um so in the book they're on a whaler, right, in the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna say? I was talk I was thinking about that book that we learned about at that panel called A Fifty Two Hertz Whale. And he was reminding me of the Darkling because it's um a whale that makes a frequency that no other whales can hear and so he's called the loneliest animal in the ocean. That was really sad and that definitely did stick with me. It was so sad and I was thinking about it and I was like oh my god the darkling is a 52 hertz whale because he can do something that no one else can do and like and it's so isolating and he's so lonely because of it.
0: Yeah I kind of hope there, there are actually very many girls in this book like <laughs> the Darkling's not going to find love if it's not with Alina. And Nikolai isn't going to find love if it's not with Alina at this rate. So... I know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we need some more. Well, Genya. Genya. There, and there's Zoya. We haven't seen Zoya. And there's Marie. And we just haven't seen a lot of them.
0: I guess that's true.
1: And Tamara's pretty awesome, too. So I have high hopes for she her. She is.
0: I actually like really like her. And I want Alina to start trusting her more and become her friend. I think something... I think Goya is going to get redeemed too, at some... Oh, yeah, Genya. I don't know. Why do I keep buying the color I don't, that, know, I don't know I don't know. I even have it written down, literally, in front of me, an underlying quote. I, I think because we have a Zoya and a Genya, and I think you're just blessing the names I just, to like, to mix them together. Anyways, I think she will be... Because it seemed like she was coming around a little bit already. I hope that she becomes a good guy again.
1: Yeah, because Alina needs a girlfriend. She needs a girlfriend who's not, like, a petty
0: a petty Grisha. Yeah, although when you when you think about all the things that Jinya did do, wow, like, she actually was a really terrible friend in a lot of ways. I don't think she was ever her
1: friend. I mean, she, I think part of her didn't enjoy her company, but she was working behind her back the entire time, like, keeping her let- letters hidden, and...
0: I know. Once I found out that she was involved in that, because I thought she wasn't since she was the one who told her that... You know, she gave her some information about Maul, so I didn't think she knew that the letters weren't going through until then. But, yeah, it's so manipulative. It's so two-faced, yeah. And it's sad because I feel like all the other Grisha treated her so poorly, and Alina really did, like, actually treat her with respect and like her and all this stuff. She treated her as an equal, for sure. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's just too bad. Well, I'm just so curious, too, because I want to know, like... What is more important to her than having a friend like Alina? What is she so afraid of that she's going to turn her back on the one true friend she has? Yeah. Is it just like blind allegiance to the Darkling? I just feel like there's some kind of fear there that we don't really understand. Because even, I mean, I don't understand why she's still throwing her lot in with the Darkling.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Although, I guess we did learn that she poisoned the king. Like, I think that is, or she didn't poison him, but she definitely did something. And so now maybe she...
0: Yeah, I'm also curious what she did to him because the, um, not heartrender. Render, what's, what are the other ones called? The healer ones? Ooh. Oh, uh, I think they're called healers. Oh, the healer, the healer, what are the healer <laughs> people called? Okay, because she did something to him that the healers can't fix. And the thing that bit Alina can't be fixed by a healer either. Oh, so I'm curious right. if it's related somehow, if she's also like involved in this kind of bad magic or whatever.
1: And, I mean, she's a tailor, so is that something that all tailors can do, or is it just using Grisha magic for, for bad? Yeah. I have no idea. Me either. Ooh, and who was the tailor who was, who was tailoring Nikolai?
0: I think it was Tolia, but he was a heart renderer, so I was kind of confused by that.
1: Ugh, I don't understand the Grisha power. <laughs>
0: I know, I need like a, I need to read a manual.
1: <laughs> we need to read that book on the small site, the Grisha Theory book.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'd also like to read this Children's Saint book, so I have an idea of who this Ilya Morozova guy is. Ugh.
1: All right, well, I guess we could just read the rest of this book for now. <laughs> okay,
0: priorities. Yeah, okay, so any predictions for what's going to happen? I mean, the Darkling has to come back, right? With a vengeance. I think the king has to die. With
1: his, what are those called? The nothing, nothings. The Nichivoya, yeah. that's what they're called. I just saw that in my notes. He's going to come back with those. Um, oh gosh, I really don't know what Nikolai's going to do. I, I'm nervous that he's going to keep like harping on this be my queen thing, and he's going to end up really driving her away and like pissing her off.
0: Well, I think that he is going to actually start liking her... Like, for real, for real. Because right now, I don't think he really does. Right. I I think he will, too. But she's going to think he's still... I think she's going to still interpret it like it's just a political play. And then she's going to, like, offend him. And then... I don't know. I don't know what happens after that. I'm nervous, too, for... um, And when are they going to go find this firebird? And how are they going to find it?
1: Well, Mal will probably find it. Because he finds everything in, like, less than seven days, somehow.
0: Yeah, he just has to be like, oh... You're threatening Alina. Oh.
1: oh, that's a good Surprise, point. there it is. Because I thought maybe that's why he found the sea whip so fast, because he was, you know, the Dark Moon was threatening to torture her. But now, I don't, I don't know if that was the reason why he found it so fast, but... Yeah,
0: but it does feel like a destiny thing. Like, he has to find it, she has to wear it, and they have to be together. Like, it feels all connected somehow with, like, a... Like, he's the only one who can find them. She's the only one who can use the power. But what's going to happen
1: when she gets the third one? Because I'm so nervous that it's going to be too much... Like, something bad's going to happen.
0: I'm hoping the apparat comes back into the picture then and is like, oh, now that you have all three, like...
1: I'm nervous she's going to die. I'm nervous she's going to get all this power and it's going to be too much and she's going to die and then she will be a saint. Like an actual dead saint. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like an actual dead one. No, I mean, I... I'm not saying I don't think she'll die by the end of the series, but I don't think she's going to die in this book. I think she's around for the third book. No, yeah, me too. I meant at the end. Oh, I was trying to put it just in Oh, for this book, sorry. I think by the end of the book, she has all three amplifiers. I think oh, for sure. The apparatus is back in the picture. I think her and Nikolai have some tension because <laughs> he tried to take things too far and she misinterpreted it. I think the Darkling has come back, but I don't know where I think he stands right then.
1: I think he'll be back with Genya, and he'll be protecting her from retaliation for what she did for the king, to the king.
0: The Darkling will? Yeah. Does he care what happens to her? I mean, he doesn't, like, not care, but... We should. He should. I mean, she did, she almost killed the king on his orders, I'm guessing. Like, you should be, I don't know, he should be loyal to her after that. But I that. feel like if he comes back, it's not even going to be about yeah, it's gonna be like he'll have his army and they'll have their army. Like I feel like they can't have like a casual, and they'll just be fighting. I don't know. <sighs> Do you think we can trust the Grisha who showed up at the like Duke's door, whatever, whoever's door it was, the one who saved your life? F- oh, um, I can't
1: remember his, his name now. I didn't write that. It begins with F. Fedor. Yep. Can we trust him? Mmm. Un- undecided. I don't know.
0: I think we can trust that he doesn't follow the Darkling, but I don't know that we can trust that he cares, that he, like, believes in what she represents. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and we just saw him, like, the last chapter, so... Yeah. Maybe time will tell.
0: I hope we see. Him. She does need more allies, though. That's so true, and I hope That's that, true. Yeah.
1: And it'll be interesting to see if the rest of the Grisha follow her, because, I mean, if she's in command of the Second Army, like... I just feel like there's going to be some pushback, especially from, like, Zoya and other really powerful Grisha who... Or we're following the Darkling for all this time, and now it's like, all right, who
0: are you? But aren't the ones who really followed the Darkling gone right now? Like, who's even... Like, I feel like the ones I who are sh- left didn't follow the Darkling, but I don't really get what they are doing if they didn't leave and they weren't deserters. Like, I don't... Yeah, I, that's a good I question. Know.
1: I don't know. I hope we get more world-building, too. I like how there's so many fairy tales and legends and, like, yeah. the tale of the too-clever fox was thrown out there. She does a really good job of bringing in Russian history, but uh, making it new.
0: Yeah. yeah, and it's cool to see different like parts of the world too, with all their travels. Even like seeing, you know, right at, right at the edge of the fold where they were selling relics of her bone, you know, her her feet or whatever, and then seeing this like court where there's these gates. That I don't and, and just and hearing the different experiences of the Grisha when they turned on them and they were like. We escaped. We didn't hurt anybody, but we didn't, mm-hmm. you know. And, I, like, I just feel like there's all these, like, different people, groups, places, motives, stuff going on, and it's fun to hear more. I'm really curious about the Apparat, though. That He's the one I most – I hope he shows up in the next, like, four chapters. <laughs> That's my prediction.
1: I, yeah, uh, I really can't stop thinking about it. I'm kind of getting obsessed with this book, I have
0: to say. <laughs> yeah, well, we can hang up and go finish reading and record again tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you know what I have to do is we have to see if Taylor Swift's single came out today. It did come out today, but I don't know when. I mean, it, no, it is it's coming didn't out yet, today. No, it's yet. because
1: I've been, I've been looking like nonstop all day trying to see when it's going to be released. And I haven't seen anything yet.
0: I mean, it has to be today.
1: I know. They said it is today. I just don't. I keep
0: looking up Taylor Swift's single reputation. <laughs> You know what's funny? By the time we post this, everyone will be like, you know all the words and whatnot, and they'll be like, what are they talking about? It's been out for a week.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I was so confused by all those snake videos that she kept posting. <laughs> and then I totally get I, it.
0: like, I totally missed that. So, wait, she, like, cleared her whole Instagram and posted snake videos for a week?
1: Yeah, probably? and I had no idea why. And then she announced that her um, album is called Reputation, and then I remembered that Kim um, – released that video, that that, um, video recording of her talking to Kanye, and she released it on National Snake Day, (laughs) which is so cold. And so, no, it's not out yet. Gosh, come on. Oh, I heard a really funny story, actually, about Leigh Bardugo, unrelated to anything, but um, I was just reading an interview by her, and Uh she was talking about how they asked her if she was ever haunted by anything that she wrote. Like if anything she wrote scared her enough that she that she had nightmares, and <laughs> she said that she once the only nightmare she's ever had about anything that she wrote was she had a nightmare about being on the show Chopped, but but it was taking place in the Shadow Fold, and she was competing against the Darkling, <laughs> and she said that she woke up right when Ted Allen told everyone to open their baskets. <laughs> That's hilarious. I know. I was just like, I really want to meet you, Lee Bardugo, because that is just a great story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of great stories, do you have a joke for me? That wasn't really Oh, I do. I do. I do. Actually.
1: It's a whale joke. Oh, good. Because I was thinking about the whaler and the sea whip and... Okay. Let me try to remember it. Okay. So there are two whales who walk into a bar. And okay. and the bartender looks up and he goes, "All right, fellas, what are you having?" And the first whale goes, "Woo!" woo, woo, woo. And the second whale looks at his friend and goes, "Dude, you're wasted." <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that reminds me of Finding Nemo, and that seems like fun to say. <laughs> so all, it was that's was a just, good whale voice, right? Yeah, that was really good. That's <laughs> been funny. Practicing all day. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. You know I like when (laughs) two things talk to each other, so. I know. I thought of you.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to read the rest of the book, and we will... Read the
0: rest of the book, listen to the Taylor Swift single whenever it comes out. (laughs)
1: Let us know what you Um, think. Yeah. We already love it. We haven't listened to it, but we already love it. We we know nothing about it.
0: Also, 1989 is the year of the snake, like Chinese zodiac style. Are you kidding me? oh my god that's so good that's really great i also could be lying but i think so
1: oh well i believe everything you say
0: (laughs) i believe everything i say i never let the truth get in the way of my beliefs about the world so i'm just kidding all right okay on that note everyone have a great week and bye bookworms go get a library card